You've worked hard for what you have, your money, your assets, your 401k and home. Isn't it all worth protecting? Nearly one in four consumers have been a victim of identity theft. LifeLock Ultimate Plus helps protect your finances with up to $3 million in reimbursement. LifeLock alerts you to identity threats you might miss. And if your identity is stolen, your dedicated U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. Let LifeLock help protect what you've worked so hard for. Save 25% off your first year on LifeLock Ultimate Plus at LifeLock.com slash aware. Terms apply. Thanks by new customer surveyed who saved with Progressive in 2020. Potential savings will vary. And now, now, it's the Mike Calter Show. Eight fourteen on the Mike Calter Show. It's one hundred two five. The Bone in the studio with us. Accomplished wrestler, rock star, game show host, best-selling author, lemonade spokesman. What else? Am I, am I leaving anything else? Chris you stole here. my line. I always use the bake sale. <laughs> am I that uh, predictable? I got the bake sale down the street at the Women's Auxiliary, <laughs> making some great brownies. We have a we have a great liner from you. It says, uh, "This is Chris Jericho, best-selling author, wrestler, and lemonade spokesman." <laughs> like, That's the best. Man, I've I've been doing shows with you for years. It must be almost fifteen years now at this point. Yeah. Well, no, no, no. It's been years? way longer than that because wow. my son. It, yeah, I, so I'll be married in March for 20 years, and I knew you before I was married, so it's longer than that. Back in the day, we used to you, go to the Copa. You were, you were a WCW guy. Oh, wow, yes, over 20 years ago. And uh, you were a WCW. I remember, I remember you were leaving and going, and uh, that was a big deal, and we had just gotten to know you. It was with the peanut butter gym days and all that stuff. That was <laughs> good, right. that yeah, was good yeah, stuff. Yeah. Good and, uh, and it's been, I'll tell you what, dude, and I tell you this every time you come on the show, like I don't really watch a lot of wrestling anymore. My son kind of outgrew it. And now I just kind of keep tabs on it. I watch every once in a while, but I don't, I don't. I'm not as into it as I was before. But every once in a while, I will pull up the Jericho debut in the WWE was one of the greatest moments in the history of wrestling. I remember you had on your podcast a I don't know who the guy was. He's like a wrestling expert kind of guy. You had him on on the anniversary of your debut because you wanted to see it from a fan's point of view. Mm-hmm. Do you remember what I'm talking about? Yeah, yeah, for sure. And yeah. and I was like, I I should have been that fan. I, I'm <laughs> telling you right now, I remember where I was the day it happened. He does talk about it yeah, a lot. I mean, how it's the greatest because <laughs> I try. Here's uh, this is something that you will get to. I know there's. I have a couple of goals in life, and there's two that I know. No matter how hard I work on, I don't think that I'll ever be able to do. Uh, I know this one for sure. I will never take a curtain call at Yankee Stadium. I will never be forced to come out and tip my hat to the crowd because one, I don't play baseball and I don't play for the. Yankees. Not playing baseball is, <laughs> yeah. a, is the big one. At though. 50, a big I hurdle. think that's, that's <laughs> yeah. probably not going to happen. And two, which is one that you probably, I'm, I mean, I would say you definitely have, is there's no better feeling I think in the world than the first time I ever saw it happen was at a Billy Joel concert at Giant Stadium in the '90s to have. Uh, a hundred thousand people sing piano man so to have a song that you wrote be sung by 10 20 thousand people back to you has got to be the most amazing feeling in the world yeah it's really cool because uh, everything that you do uh in wrestling and rock and roll you want it to be organic you yeah. want the crowd to be involved and when they started singing Judas, it was even cooler because it was on my cruise. Chris Jericho's Rock and Wrestling Rager at Sea. Uh-huh. Uh, we had a live AEW Dynamite. Um, so on the cruise that I started uh, with the live Dynamite from the company that I helped start, right. 
the crowd starts singing the song that I helped write. Right. It was really one of the kind of this greatest moments in my professional career. And it was one of the, the, the scariest things when the pandemic happened in that we had no crowd, right? Yeah. So people had just started singing Judas organically on their own. There's no prompting from us. They just started doing it. And then there was no crowd for like eight months. Yeah. So I remember the first time they came back, we were in Jacksonville. I think we only had maybe 500 people, limited, uh, whatever they used to call it, like limited crowds or whatever it was, uh, capacity. And I was like, are they going to remember? Uh-huh. And, those, and those 500 people, it sounded like 100,000 people oh, in Giant sure. Stadium singing Judas. Like, they remembered. It's, and it just a... carried on to this point, even to when uh, I started the Jericho Appreciation Society and turned heel back in February, we debated not using Judas anymore because it's such a baby face reaction. And my boss... Tony Khan, he had a great point. It's like, you know, it, it would be cutting off our nose despite our face because it's an organic, very cool moment that's synonymous with AEW. Yeah. Of pe- people come to the show to sing Judas. Oh, yeah. It's, yeah, it's right. Of the, yeah, absolutely. So to take it away just because I'm a quote unquote bad guy, it really wouldn't help us. So, yeah, I have this amazing kind of awesome sing-along moment with the song, and then I come out and do my gig, and they boo it after. (laughs) It's fine. It works both ways. What's a better feeling, Getting uh, holding up a belt and getting cheers or getting the worst booze ever? Well, I mean, when you're a heel, booze are your cheers. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. So what's better? Like, you know, if you get the whole place booing, you're like, I have done my job. Yeah, I mean, it's it's just having the reaction from the crowd. It was the most important thing, having the connection with the audience. And you mentioned, you know, 1999, the debut with The Rock, and that was a great moment, but I just had one of the best matches my career on Wednesday. I know. That, versus Brian Danielson. And it was that just. That Geo came in the next day and said, Did you see that last night? I said, No. He goes, It was one of the best matches I've ever seen. Well, thank you. And it was just as rewarding. Yeah. You know, uh, it's it, having the connection with the audience and still getting the crowd in the palm of your hand where you want them. Uh, that's the best feeling in the world. And it doesn't matter what side of the fence you're on, heel, baby face, as long as people are reacting and you know you've got them. Yeah. That's the best feeling. Uh, I, I tell you. Um, I, I I told told you Galvin told you I mentioned that and I try to think when you, can you remember being on that stage in the debut with your arms out when the clock clicked down can you remember like what was going through your head or is it all a blur No 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 I can remember it like it was yesterday I remember every little thing as if it happened only yesterday as, as my <laughs> friend Meatloaf used to say um, Yeah I mean I remember that it was a huge moment because it is what I've been working for for nine years Yeah and that I you know it took a it took a long road for me to get to WWF at the time WWE, right. to work to work for that company and I knew that I'd have one chance. You know, you only get one chance to make a first impression. And as much as I had accomplished in Japan and Mexico and WCW and ECW, etc., I knew that Vince McMahon probably had never really even seen me before. Really? You know, I, I doubt that he watches, you know, yeah. ECW or whatever it was. And even if he did, it didn't matter because this was a different world. This was this was the world of, of the WWF. So I knew I'd have one chance to really knock it out of the park. And I knew it was a big moment in Chicago. I felt that half the crowd knew I was going to be there. Uh, just the early days of the internet, and yeah. there was some rumors, and the other half had no idea, but were excited when they saw me. So it was really this really cool special moment of all the planets aligning all, and all the fruit aligning, and it was great. I watch it back now, and there's a lot of things that I would change about it. You know, yeah, thirty. You're always going to feel that way. Yeah, twenty two years yeah. later, but still, it is. It, you know, I could overanalyze it and 
until the cows come home. The moment, the, the, the point is, there's still people like yourself that say it was, it was the greatest debut in WWE history, and I can't argue with that. So, yeah. uh, it's a part of wrestling history and something that I'm very proud of, and I still remember it, man. I remember sitting there with The Rock and Vince Russo going over the promo in the back at the uh, at the Allstate Arena, which I was just there a couple weeks ago to see the Scorpions in Chicago. Uh-huh. Backstage in that room where I was hanging out with Mickey, the Scorpions drummer, like this is where we where it happened, went over yeah. the promo. There's no intense rehearsals back then. It was just me and Rock and Russo vaguely going over it and going out there and knocking it out of the park. That's crazy. So now when uh, when you have AEW and you're turning heel, does a writer come to you and say that, or do you all come together and say, uh, okay, it's time? Yeah, it's it, it, one of the best things about AEW is we don't have writers. You don't have writers? We don't, and we haven't since the day we started. So who is the, who is making all those final calls? Basically, uh, me and, and Tony Khan, my yeah. boss. You know, I, I write all my stuff in AEW with him or with my opponent, whoever it is. And you just know, you know, and, and organically... With the Jericho Appreciation Society, it was just the right time. It was never supposed to be a thing. Um, I was working with a guy called Eddie Kingston. Uh-huh. We, had a, we had an eight-month storyline, and it was never supposed to be a storyline. It was supposed to be he and I do a one-month thing, and we end up maybe as partners. That was kind of the idea. And then I had a pulmonary embolism in England, which I've discussed at great length in December. Uh-huh. And I was off TV for a month because I was basically stuck in the UK. Uh, I'm completely fine now, total clean bill of health. Right. We can talk about that after. But um, so it kind of delayed this match, and then he got hurt which delayed the match and in the meantime other things happened in the story where it was like the the the, the direction here is not us as a team the direction is us as rivals and yeah. heated rivals and it involved the inner circle which was the faction i had originally and then why don't i form a new faction to take on these other guys that were part of the inner circle and you just let the story lead you yeah and that's the most important thing i've learned in wrestling you you, you have to you, cap- mean you actually listen to the fans Absolutely. and learn wow that's interesting yeah don't come up with the whole thing beforehand right. because it might change and turn and twist, and the fans might take it in a different direction. And you know that. That's the one thing after all these years of doing this. I can always kind of read the room. You know, they said that Gretzky didn't go where the puck was. He went to where the puck was, was going. Be, yeah. And that's kind of the same mindset that I have in the business. I kind of can predict the future a little bit of what's going to happen. And sometimes people go, that'll never happen. I'm uh, like, okay, I'm telling you that it will. You've because been there. I've been there. Yeah. And you can see it. So that's kind of what happened with, the, with this incarnation of Jericho. Last time you were here, I asked you a question, and you were uh, you answered honestly. And even a little bit, I'll give you a little annoyed when I asked you, because I was asking as a, as a, as a fan and as a novice. It seemed to me in the very beginning that AEW was a... I, I was like, I'm convinced that this is all part of a WWE thing. <laughs> Be, because, but I've learned now, like how many how many wrestlers left and went over there and were welcomed over there, and I was like, ah, something's going on. But but then I started to realize that I think a lot of people were just really unhappy over there, yeah. and when they had an opportunity to do something, not only to leave, but to leave for something that was of of uh, equal quality as far as production and probably money and all that stuff, that was the out for them. And now it seems more like that was what the situation was. Well, yeah, just the fact that there was an alternative. You know, WWE had Monopoly for so long, which is never good. 
You know, if there's only one radio station in town, that's not a good thing. Yeah, no, no, I agree with you. I, I, competition brings out the best in people. Yeah. I mean, you guys have always said that about WCW, about uh, any any other any other competition. You always want to strive to be better than the next guy or else you get complacent. Well, and, and just to have an option of, of another place to go, and that is one of the reasons why out of the gate, AW exploded yeah. and why we got such a huge television contract only three months into our existence on TBS TNT was because people were responding by watching. Yeah, I call myself the demo god, and it's kind of a gimmick, but it's true. The demos that we get, even the demo that we got last night, I follow the numbers. Yeah. I know every single quarter hour and every single demo in the night, and they are big. Like We were number one on cable last night, and we've been number one or number two for the last 16 weeks in a row. That's big business, sure, man, you know, sure. with all the options there is for people to consume. You know, I sound like a, a corporate guy, but I'm really... No, but you, you, you sound to me, you know what I hear? You don't sound like a corporate, you sound like a guy who's getting money on the bottom line of things. I mean, like, sure. that's, you, you have an investment, you care about the, the yeah, company. Yeah, and I really learned about that when I started in AEW. You know, I, I kind of was into it a bit with WWE, but that's part of the machine. It's going to roll either way. With AEW, I knew, like, I have to really go out of my way to make this work, because if I do this... This, we'll be able to change the course of wrestling history. Yeah. And we've done that because now there is a viable option for people. Um, a number two, that's number one at times. Our demos touch WWEs at times. Yeah. And like I said, to, demos, This early on to do this that early is on, amazing. Three years in, you're, yeah. you know, so, oh, you're, they're not even close to WWE. Well, in some ways we aren't, but they're a 50-year-old company. Yeah. We're three years old, and we're doing really big business just on our own, and we don't worry about anything else other than that. Right, and there were a lot of companies that tried to start uh, rival businesses that brought a bunch of dinosaurs out and we're like okay now we got we got names and you're like no you don't yeah you don't have the future you have the old so well, you're already starting out old the one thing i like about tony khan and, and how we've constructed aw is it is like a great football team and he owns the jaguars yeah. he owns the fulham football club in, in england for for soccer as we call it he knows how to put together a roster and how do you do that you've got your great veterans like myself and right. a few others you've got guys in the prime of their career like john moxley and danielson and kenny omega and those guys You've got a great kind of up-and-coming roster, Darby Allen and Orange Cassidy and Adam Cole, and then you've got great rookies. Yeah. And if you can put together a team that's a, a, a perfect kind of mix of that, you'll have a winning squad, but and that's all, what we've done. Also, you being, uh, let's say, the veteran, you're not out there trying to say, well, I, I'm not going to put the new guy over i'm not gonna and a lot of those veteran guys didn't want to make well, new well, stars in the 90s i was almost a victim of that in yeah. WCW. so i know how it can be now listen here i am you know still one of the top guys and, and some people like i always say whenever i lose the match it's one of the greatest matches ever yeah whenever <laughs> i win the match it's 51 year old jericho not yeah. putting the young guys away. <laughs> right? but i mean to me it's like age is great but they're really for me there is no age right now because i still am, am wrestling at the prime of my career. I mean, I lost 30 pounds over the last few months, and it's a real resurgence for me. I'm having one of the best career years in 2022 that I've ever had. So who cares what age is attached to that? Yeah. Um, so, yes, I, I, I am here to put the young guys over. But putting over doesn't necessarily mean just losing a match to them. Right. It's working with them, putting them in programs, doing promos with them, teaching them how to be main event players. Yeah. That's what putting over the young guys is. Winning and losing, it doesn't make a difference. But being put in a main pos event position and drawing numbers and getting better as a performer, that's what putting over sure. younger guys is. Sure. And that and it's, it's great that you have that vision that you see that. Because, I have to. Yeah. That's what I'm here for. That's If I do my job, AW will 
will be here for decades to come. And so far, we've been succeeding with that. Yeah, well, let's talk about this. What is the reason why we haven't had a live AEW show here? That's a good question. My wife is always asking, why haven't we done Tampa yet? We've done Orlando a bunch. We've done Miami yeah. a ton. Jacksonville, obviously. Uh, it's probably just logistics. I even went and saw Fluffy at the, is it USF? I'm like, that's our building. I, yeah. I, I remember texting our guy, Raphael Morphe. I'm like, dude, this is our building. Hey, and that used to be the only spot for all of wrestling. Yeah, but I think it holds about 6,000 or yeah. so. or so. Like, this is where we should go. So I know it's on the list of places to go. We're a Florida-based company because we're based out of Jacksonville. Right. So it's nothing other than probably logistics. And the fact that we had an eight, uh, you know, what, I can say 18 months, but an 18-month kind of detour where we weren't really doing shows anywhere. We probably have been here a couple times yeah. had we not been stuck in Jacksonville for the nine, ten yeah, months that it was. Yeah, that's true. Well, so I, we will be you, here, I promise you. I think I think it would be, uh, I, you know, there's a lot of, I think it would go over very oh, well. Oh, big time. Really it's yeah. a no-brainer, and it's yeah. just a matter of time until we come here, I'm sure of it. Uh, Chris Jericho is in the studio with us. Uh, let me ask you one more wrestling thing before we move on. Uh, and I, I follow you on social media and try to read sometimes into your thing. I can't tell. What is your relationship like with Vince McMahon? Um, I learned a lot from Vince yeah. you know, in in the ring, and um, it's weird because I was fairly close with him. And then when AEW was starting, I told him that like there's this company. And then when I told him what the offer was that they gave me, he goes, "Take it." I'm like, yeah. "All right." And then about a week later, he goes, "What if he would?" He goes, you, he, "Were you hoping he would?" Match well, yes, your offer? of course. You are. Yeah, of course, because you know, I didn't really know. And then when he said take, I'm like, okay, I am all in with AEW. And I remember a week later, he's like, what's going on? Did you, did, I said, well, I took the deal. He said, you took the deal? Mm-hmm. Well, can you get out of it? And I said, <laughs> no, you told me to take it. You know. And then he would call me from time to time and ask me some like inside info. I'm like, Vince, I'm not telling you anything. <laughs> I, I work for AEW now. And once I, I came to AEW, just the freedom that I had in working with Tony Khan was a completely different level. And I, I, I would never go back to, to WWE. No. Really have no interest in it. But, I, you know, I learned a lot from Vince. He was a great guy to, to, to um, you know, as a, as a wrestler, as, as a life lesson guy. I'm not just trying to teach you wrestling lessons. I'm trying to teach you life lessons. Yeah. So I was very surprised when, when he stepped down. Uh, and they're doing good. But I, I think the short-term uh, – pros of Vince leaving we're seeing kind of a new regime and a new style I think the long term cons of him leaving we won't see for, for a while. Yeah I think you're right yeah. the effect of him not being involved. There will be an effect I, yeah. I saw you retweeted one of the things about him uh, getting in trouble or getting called out for whatever he did and I was like I can't tell if, if you were reveling in it or if you were. T- yeah I don't know yeah. if I would have retweeted that exactly I kind of stay out of all that it's really. That's why yeah. That's why I was like I didn't know if you were trying to make a statement or no, if you were just retweeting no, something. No I, I have no statement you know, like I said, that's that's his personal stuff. Right. I just go from the professional standpoint and the guy that I dealt with, which is always, uh, you know, always interesting. Never, not not always great. Yeah. But uh, definitely. What is? What de- job do you exactly. have for all that time? Is always. But I'll great. tell you what. I sure did learn a lot about uh, about how to be a leader, how to be a main event performer in the wrestling business, um, and and just there's so many little details that 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 I learned from Vince that a lot of people don't see and don't know. That I'll, I'll always have in my uh, in my toolbox because of that. Good for you, uh, Chris Jericho is here with us. Uh, uh, wrestling, obviously, accomplished. I'm gonna, I'm gonna tell you, nobody thought Fozzie was gonna be as successful as it is now. I mean, let's let's yeah. be honest. I mean, <laughs> I mean, I it was a cute little thing in the beginning. Fozzie Osborne, uh, you had a, a group of friends and you played music, and that's his side thing. Now you've got a, that's a whole another career that's 
super successful. Doing five, festivals and everything. I'm yeah. the charting. Five, five consecutive top ten singles. Yeah. And I Still Burn is one of the most played singles on rock radio this year in 2022. Yeah. Uh, and you're right. I mean, I... I, I not going to say that I didn't think it was going to be big, but the, definitely the, the original projection of the band was not this. When we started getting radio play with Judas, the song, that's when I realized we can become a rock radio band. Yeah. And then, you know, Judas became a hit to where we just got a gold record for it. Now we have a gold record. Now anybody who has still has issues with Fozzie because I'm in the band, yeah. you, you can take the gold 500,000 sales. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Stuff it right up the wazoo. There's 500,000 people who disagree with you. So, uh, yeah, I mean, becoming a radio band was something I definitely didn't see coming, but we are now legit. Like, if a Fozzie song, when the new Fozzie comes out, it's pretty much guaranteed to go top 10. That is literally impossible yeah. in, in, in radio. And we never realized how important radio was until we started getting that airplane. It really took the band to the next level. I was, that's, I, I'll tell you, I'm very proud of that because I remember seeing oh, a Fozzie, I think, played at the Ritz one time in yeah. the 90s or something, or the early, the, now, early 2000s. Now yeah. on tour, uh, headlining, opening for major bands, and part of festivals with huge bands. I mean, this is a this is a real thing. I mean, you have... Yeah, it was pretty cool when we were personally invited by Iron Maiden to directly <laughs> open for them at the Bank of California Stadium in Los Angeles. How great is and that? It was, it was Fozzie and Iron Maiden. And I was like, is it a festival? No, it's just you and Iron Maiden. Just us? Well, there's, there's, there's an opening <laughs> band, there's Fozzie, and there's Iron Maiden. Do you want the gig? I'm like, are you kidding yeah, me? Yeah. Like, what is going on here? That was still one of the coolest moments of my life, walking backstage and seeing this giant Eddie just standing there waiting to, to go on stage hours later and then the Aces High, you know, whatever Fokker 251 plane that they had. Uh, it's like, this is insane. Uh, we're opening for Iron Maiden. And, and you know, so that those are the moments where you're like, you know, I don't care what anybody says. We, we've made it. This is the big leagues. Oh, yeah. You know, so it's been very, very cool. Um, you know, Boombox, our, our, our newest record, like I said, three top ten singles from that. Uh, and, and the crowds have gone through the roof as a result of all this new airplay and this new exposure. And um, You could never cool. say people are listening because you're a wrestler. Oh, that's just as wrestling fans. Well, that was the opposite. Right. You know, I think being a wrestler was more of a detriment than it ever was a help because there was a lot of people that wouldn't listen mm -hmm. because I was a wrestler. Yeah. You know, they had a problem with me because I was a, uh, had another gig. You know, it's, I was talking to Rob Zombie about it when he started making movies. People were very angry at Rob when he started directing. How dare you direct? Rockstar. How dare you want to make a, a, a remake of Halloween? How how could you possibly do this? And it's like, well, because I want to do it and I'm good at it. So yeah. it's the same with me. And, and I've dealt with it all. And, and now that's, those are few and far between. And, and I don't worry about those people no. that don't like the band because I'm in it. Because that's never going to change. I'm in the band. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. It's funny know. to think that somebody who's creative one thing can't be creative at another thing. But you know? you're, you're right. But there is still people that have a problem with that. Sure, yeah. Oh, yeah, you absolutely. And, they think, oh, well, he thinks he can do this. This so he can do anything. Well, well yeah, or, you, know. Think, you know, and every band has some sort of a gimmick. I mean, you know, Kiss has makeup and Slipknot wears masks and Greta Van Fleet sounds like Led Zeppelin. You know? <laughs> yeah. and like, who cares? At the end of the day, it's either good music or it's bad music. And the gimmick goes out the window. So if the gimmick of Fozzie is that Chris Jericho is the singer, well, good for us. How's the music? Well, here it is right there. A gold yeah. record and five consecutive top tens. And that has nothing to do with wrestling because radio programmers are stiff. Oh, yeah. It's impossible yeah. to get that sort of airplay. And you have to have a great song to be able to get it. And we've got it. Uh, Chris Jericho is here with us. Chris, uh, what would you say if you can pinpoint? I, I remember talking about, is it Brent Fitz? 
Fitz, yeah. Fitz, you grew up with him? I did. We were in rival bands in Winnipeg. Fitz now drums for Slash. And yeah. He's been with Alice Cooper. And Gene Simmons. Gene, he uh, said Gene to Simmons me, and Vince Neil, yeah. We were backstage at a, a Slash show, and he said, um, Chris Jericho always said he was going to be a wrestler or a rock star, whatever it took to get him out, out there and become famous. And he's like, and he nailed both of them. It was he both. Did, I wanted yeah. to do both, not yeah. or. I wanted to do both. <laughs> I wanted to do both. No, it's so great. You're so you're going to talk about stiff. You're so stiff. As long as I've known you, you still come in uh, with that Jericho air about you. I remember one day you walked in when you, <laughs> you cut your hair short and you walked in the studio. I go, look at you. You did like a uh, like a Bon Jovi. One day my hair is long. One day it's short. And you go, oh, I prefer to think James Hetfield, but whatever you want to say. <laughs> <laughs> All right, uh, Chris is here to promote. Uh, I don't know. I have two different flyers. An event. Seal the Wave, is that what it's called? Seal the Wave, Seal yes. the Wave. It's benefiting the Navy Seal Foundation, and it's hosted by Chris Jericho, and it has our other friends, the Soul Circus Cowboys, are going to be performing. Yeah. It's happening. Great. Have you seen them? Uh, I, I've seen them, never live. You'll, en- you'll enjoy them. We're yeah. excited I to have them, yeah. Couldn't care less about uh, country music. They're not that kind of thing. They play great music. They're a professional band. The singer's great. They have some great original songs. Uh, uh, Friday, October 14th, 6 to 11 p.m. at the East Lake Woodlands Country Club. The Seal the Wave event is raising money for the Platoon Wave to participate in the Frogman Swim 2023. All proceeds go to the Navy Seal Foundation. Uh, it is happening. It, you got $100 early bird pricing tickets that are only available until September 15th, which has already passed, so you're screwed <laughs> on that. Uh, but it only goes to $125 for general admission tickets uh, that will be sold after September 15th. I'd imagine it will sell out very quickly if it's not even – I'm sure it's close to it's it already. It's getting close, yeah. yeah. Uh, if you want to do a table sponsorship, it's $2,000. You can do that as well. Uh, all the information for you uh, is available, and I will figure out where here. Events.humanitics.com. I have uh, the flyer that has a QR code that I'm going to put on our Facebook page so you can go do it. From yeah, there it's as cool. Well. We got a live auction. We got stuff from memorabilia from the Lightning and fruit. We got a, a Gronkowski football that's signed. We got AEW merch that's signed. We sell some ring worn uh, Chris Jericho gear and tons of stuff. So, yeah, it's it, every once in a while we put on a fundraiser uh, in our family uh, that my wife really gets involved and she was really uh, drawn to the Seal the Wave, which is for the Navy SEALs. We have some family that was in in the navy and uh, it's going to be fun man it's it's it, i'm excited to go and host and it's open to everybody so we're going to have a good time man it's going to be a blast now uh you have been married how long 22 years that's that and, and i've never seen somebody post more about loving their wife than you do you are very happily married, yeah my man. wife jessica is uh is, is awesome and you can't be in this gig for as long as i have been without without a great woman behind you so it, it, and whenever she gets involved and she's she's really into it so now i am into it by proxy and uh it's it's fun it's it's fun to do these sorts of things it's with the last fundraiser we went to was for uh, juvenile diabetes and uh, we bought a, a dog we bought a puppy. She went to the bathroom, and I was like, I want this puppy. <laughs> and uh, so, yeah, so I don't know if we'll have any dogs at the auction, but it's it's always cool when you get involved, and it's fun to bid on stuff. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Know? Tell me about it. I, I leave with a lot of stuff all the time. Well, the first know. thing that was last time was, was uh, uh, b- martinis. Buy uh-huh. 10 martinis for like 
you know, whatever it was, two thousand dollars. And so I never realized that martinis were just straight vodka. Yeah, yeah. I, I've been drinking martinis for years. Yeah. I, just, I just didn't have the right glass. Yeah, <laughs> it's just a nice name for yeah, it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, what is up uh, next on the concert schedule? You got anything online? Well, it's crazy. So after thirty-two years of being wrestling, August tenth, I got clotheslined in the throat. Ooh. And I couldn't sing. I lost my complete top range. And the reason for that was I had a severely bruised larynx. Wow. Yeah, so we had, we're at, I was actually supposed to be on tour right now, but we had to postpone the shows because when you have that, I was just at a um, voice pathologist yesterday. They were doing a, um, it's called a video a scoposcopy. Yes. And they stick a camera with a, uh, with a sorry, stroboscopy. With, with a, I know exactly with a strobe, what it is. Yeah. And now if you've ever seen your uh, larynx, it looks like either the Sarlacc pit, Return <laughs> of the Jedi, or it looks like a, a part of the female anatomy. Right, right. And you can actually see there's the bruise. It's discolored and still swollen, and that one side is still not really responding. It's just a matter of time until it comes back, but we don't know how much time. So I've never had a, a vocal injury before, and it's a little bit weird, but it just takes time. So so we had to postpone um, the tour that we were supposed to be on right now, and if things continue to go well, which they will, uh, we'll be back on the road going to the UK in November and then Australia in December. That thing, what they do is they take video yes. of your throat with the strobe so they could see how your larynx maneuvers when you talk yeah. so that if they did have to reconstruct it, they can do it exactly to what it was before. My, cause so my doctor, Dr. Di Pasquale, told me that I should go have it done. Uh, because like Adele went and had it done, so if she ever heard her voice, and I said, "Yeah, I'm not Adele. I get hurt. My wife yeah, yeah, yeah. workers comp, and I'm out forever. Yeah. I'm not going anywhere." <laughs> but yeah, yeah, that's a big deal, man. Well, it is. If I wasn't a singer, you wouldn't even notice. I can still my my outward voice is fine, but if I try to do you know like a Paul Stanley scream right now, yeah. which I could throw it in my sleep, it's not there. Right. So you know, I, I'm working with a vocal coach, and you know, it's just part of being a professional singer and a professional wrestler. It's yeah. One of those yeah, things. yeah, yeah. And it happens because it's a very sensitive area. And I just happened to get hit, and if you saw, if you saw it, you'd go, "That was it. That's what messed you up." Right, but, but if it hits you in the right spot, it's the right spot, uh, or the wrong spot, if you will. So, um, yeah, so I'm just kind of rehabbing it and, and waiting for for it to heal up. But, um, but it, it'll get back. It's one of those things where at first, like, well, we hope it's not permanent. I'm like permanent, uh-huh. I didn't even do anything, yeah. but it's not. So you just have to have the right people helping you out to get better. One of the ways I see you most is when we run into each other at concerts. Uh, yeah, you still like to go. You still go as a fan. I all I the just, time. I flew up to see Pearl Jam this weekend in Madison Square Garden. Uh, nice. I, yeah, I'm like I have to go chase the bands that I want now because I I can't wait for them to come here anymore. Well, and I don't I never have a problem going on a road trip. Yeah, you know I mean I just saw the Peppers last week, um, in not two weeks ago in Miami, and then like I mentioned we had shows in Chicago and then we had a night off and the Scorpions had happened to be in town. Yeah. So like I'll go and see those bands like I'm going to see Ringo Starr tonight. Why? Because I've never seen Ringo. I'm, right, I'm right. Beatles, you got to see Ringo. I'm a Beatles fanatic, you yeah. know, and and Steve Lukather. Who plays with Ringo? Yeah. is a friend of mine, and he's like, yeah, and he, he they total open for Journey. They were bubbled. Steve's playing with Ringo. They're still bubbled. I'm like, am I ever going to see you, man? He's like, well, Ringo's 82, and he's got lung problems from when he was a kid. And it's like, I'm a Beatles fan. I know all about Ringo, so yeah. I still don't mind. But it was cool to go to the Peppers and go see Chad Smith, another buddy of mine, and be backstage. Like to actually be backstage again yeah. was cool because that was the worst thing about going to see your friends' bands. You couldn't go see your friends because everyone's bubbled. There, yeah. And I think a lot of bands will always be bubbled because they just don't want to see anybody. Yeah. It's, a, right. it's a good way it's out. 
right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. it's like I'm still doing the show from home. (laughs) Exactly. It's like a COVID. Or like, you know, you go to a hotel. It's like, can you have someone come clean the room? Uh, Sorry, we only clean every four days. Still, because of COVID? Stop. Send someone up to clean the effing room. Good excuse. It's absolutely a good excuse. But yeah, I love going to live shows. And I love playing live shows, too. So we were just on tour in April and May to see people were back and the rooms were packed. And it was great. Yeah, there's something you miss it because... You uh, do. I went out there like a like a little kid and was just so excited to be in the crowd and join a show of somebody that I, you know a band that I love, and like my wife is going to see uh, Wu Tang Clan this week. I wouldn't want to be anywhere near that, but still the idea that you can get to go out there and enjoy the concerts my, again. Is my great. favorite thing about Wu Tang is I had Method Man on Talk is Jericho, yeah, great guy. Well, and the rule for Wu Tang is I think there's ten of them, but when they play live, the rule is. It, at least four right. have to show up. There's a minimum, right. yeah. so, so you don't know which four you're getting, but if, if, if four of them show up, they can call it Wu-Tang. That, that, <laughs> that's what I, I want to be in a band like that. That's my problem. It, it, there's no old dirty bastard because he's dead. He's dead. Method Man is not in this touring group that's coming up. here. So what am I going to go see? Jizzy and Rizzy? And that, <laughs> Ghostface Killer. Ghostface Killer. The, <laughs> the only name I know. I'm like, I'm good. Who, who have been... Uh, your your Talk is Jericho podcast is up there with... Um, you know, it's not, it's not a about wrestling, it's not about radio, rock stars. It's just you doing interviews. I it's, mean, there's it's top two hundred in the world. Yeah. In, in a world where there's now over a million podcasts, wow. and that's not. Uh, oh, I think I read recently that there's over four million. Oh my gosh! So there you go. Yeah. So, 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 so Takas Jericho is in the top two hundred. Uh, after I just had my nine hundredth anniversary show, and I think one of the reasons why uh, it is still doing so good. Is because I started early. Yeah, you did. So you were an early podcaster. Cornered the market early, and I know what it's like to get asked the same question. I know what it's like. Um, you know, that's why I come in to talk to you. We've got our bullet points to discuss. Right. But I still, once in a while, have interviews where someone will pull out a list of questions. You know, oh, this is not <laughs> I did an interview last night where the very first question was so stupid. I was like, it turns you off right away. Like, oh, please it's tell a, me what it was. Do you remember? It was just like, uh, it was a Fozzie thing. Like, Moon Goose McQueen, how's uh, he doing? I'm like, dude, come dude. on. That's what you're going to open <laughs> with? Really? Uh, and it just throws you right off. So I know what it's like to have a bad interview. Yeah. A great interview is hard to conduct. And you know this because you're a great interviewer. It is not easy to have a radio show. It's not easy to be the host of a podcast. So when you know how to do that, People want to come to your show, and yeah. that's the secret of it. It's just a conversation. We just talk. There is no better feeling than, I, like, I, I grew up listening, so I I feel like I know how to do this because I've listened to Howard and other great interviewers do interviews, and I know what I want to know. I'm asking questions I want to know, but there's no better feeling than to hear somebody say, not to your face, but to hear them say that you were a great interview. Uh, uh, Bob Saget, I ran into him in L.A. one time. I just had had him on the show, but on the phone, so we really didn't know each other. And I ran into him, and I was like, I don't know, I, don't know, I should say hi, I shouldn't say hi. We did have a good interview, and my brother's like, you got to say hi, just say hi to him. So I introduced myself, and he was like, oh. And he turns to the guy next to him, and he goes, this is one of the best interviews I've ever done in my career. And, and, and like, he didn't have to say that, and those are the best feelings because it's, it is hard to do. It's the first time I ever interviewed Paul Stanley, oh. um, which is funny because I always had this dream. Obviously, Paul's one of my heroes. I always had this kind of fantasy that maybe Paul's son will be a wrestling fan, and that's how I'll get to meet Paul Stanley. Right. Well, guess what happened? Paul's son, Colin, was a wrestling fan, uh, that's how I got to meet Paul wow. Stanley. Wow. And we hit it off, so I asked him to do Talk as Jericho. He did, and it's, we did it backstage in Vegas. Um, at a kiss show and the moment it was done 
He goes, come with me. He goes, and, f- and we went to the catering. Gene was there. Gene, you got to do this guy's show. He's awesome. I'm really? Like, oh, my gosh. So then, I had, you know, and that's, and that's, like you said, that is the best feeling when you hear that. I just had Dave Mustaine on to talk with the new Megadeth record. He's like, I always love talking to you, Chris, and it's always great. You know, Dave's a hard interview. No, he's not. Not with me. No. Neil Sean, who's, who just went up last night. I'm talking to Jericho. Couldn't get the guy off the phone. Oh, really? <laughs> he was like, dude, I know you're busy. No, and I was like, it's, like, I like to go 60 minutes. He was like 75, 80. I'm like, dude, yeah, yeah, got to cut off yeah. one of the greatest guitar players. But that's what you want. And I think once you have that experience, people look forward to doing your show. Yeah. And that's what I want. And that's one of the reasons why if you can have people that look forward to doing it, then people look forward to listening to it as well. That's the truth. If you can get people excited about coming in, like I, yeah. feel, I feel bad sometimes when people come in you not so much because you only live ten minutes away. But when people are like have to come in here at eight o'clock in the morning, I go, "Oh, this is just right out of the gate. It's already bad." And that's that's part of the reason why I changed my name and I stopped using Cowhead because it's a gimmick. I mean, it, it, not only is it a gimmick, but like it, you don't know me, so you just got off a plane and it's bad enough that you have to go do press, but you have to go sit with a guy named Cowhead. You're like, "This it's already but, working but, against me." But you're right. But I'm saying it's a gimmick in that you're thinking, "Oh my gosh, one hundred and nine, the banana." Yeah. Here's Cowhead. <laughs> walk a walk Remember. I used to do the one guy in Chicago. Uh, man man cow. Cow. Dude, man cow. <laughs> yeah. That show was such a train wreck. Yeah. You couldn't get a word in edgewise, and everyone's talking over each other. I'm like, you guys, I mean, nothing against him. He did a great job, yeah. and he was popular there. But I was like, this is, go- this is the antithesis of what great radio is. This is bad radio. Yeah. Why do I want to do this show? We got uh, a man cow. No, I don't want to do it. Yeah. And then, that's why you're smart. It's Mike Calta show. Sometimes you might still get someone calling you cowhead in the back of your mind. You're going, really? Yeah. 20 years ago. People say it now like an insult. They go, like on Twitter, they're like, listen, cowhead. And I'm like, yeah, cowhead made me rich. You yeah, yeah. Call me cowhead. Yeah, exactly. The okay. point being, like, that was smart because you, 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 it started out, and that was the, that was the early 2000 radio yeah. mindset. Everybody had to have a gimmick. And right. It was wacky 101. Right. And here he is. That's giraffe. Hey. I, I, started at, I started at a radio station called The Power Pig. So I mean, that's just where it was. <laughs> exactly. Uh, all right. I'm going to get the. Uh, flyer up for this event uh, up on our Facebook and social media and all that stuff. And so you, you can, can go to it. my Instagram at Chris Jericho Fozzi. All the information is there. Seal the wave October 14th at the East Lake uh, East Lake Woodlands Country Club, Club. Uh, 6 to 11 p.m. And Connie uh, texted me they're going to extend the early bird special pricing for 100 bucks another day since you came on. Oh, today. there you go. That's great. And so, I'm going to yeah. be there hosting, and uh, we're going to have some great rock and roll and some great uh, auction items. We're going to have a lot of fun, man. So what what kind of. I mean, next time you come, maybe bring us some some Chris Jericho game worn uh, panties we can hang up on the wall here. Those <laughs> little, on, maybe, those little, maybe, those little maybe, underwear no, things no, you're no, wearing. No, hold on a second. Maybe bring some. Uh, do you know how much those ring-worn panties are worth? It's worth a lot more than the stupid frickin' uh, uh, Godfather signed James... Well, I shouldn't say He's stupid. Dead. He's that, dead. That, that, by the way, that is an amazing picture. Yeah. It might not be worth as much as that because it's James Conn, right, right. but it's close. It's in the ballpark. <laughs> Listen, I still have the guitar you signed over there we, uh, in the corner uh, among the other great rock stars. Uh, it hangs in the corner there. You got some great stuff. I'm looking at something buried on the wall, but it's all good stuff. You got uh, Motley Crue, Platinum Album. You got a signed Val Kilmer. Yeah. You got I, a Ralph. That's all the stuff that I like. So, well, there you uh, go. This is my nice little. I, I might bring you something. All I'll bring right, you good. some low level cheese. You know stuff, I'm a fan. <laughs> I, have, I have no problem being a fan. You know I'm a long time. Well, well, dude, like you said, fan. over 20 years of uh, babbling uh, on the radio. And it's funny because when we had this, the Seal the Wave, it's like, well, let me call Mike. I'll do this show. It's the biggest show in the market. So, I'll yeah. just go weasel my way over. Well, you're always welcome i appreciate it Thank okay you. like i said i always remember this place 
because it was the first live interview that I did after the lockdown. Yeah. And I remember you saying, do you want to do it over Zoom? No, don't even say <laughs> Zoom or I'm coming into the studio because I'm sick of seeing people's faces on the screen. Yeah. So this always has a, a great memory for me of being the uh, kind of return to form. So <laughs> I don't know if you remember, but you signed a, a book to me last time we were here, and you said, thanks for having me in your weird garage thing. <laughs> <laughs> well, even today, I'm like, am I supposed to ring the front doorbell? I mean, it's 8 o'clock in the morning. I don't want to wake anybody No, we up. have it all set up now. We got you our do. own door. We got our own little green room. got the sign, there. the Mike Caltish. Follow the sign. Follow so the I, sign. I did, and it was great. So. Uh, thank you, buddy. Great seeing great you. Great seeing you, man. I appreciate that. Check out that. Talk is Jericho wherever you get your podcast. Make Make sure you watch AEW Wrestling. And again, I will get all the information for the charity event up on our uh, social media so you can check that out as well. Seal the Wave, October 14th. Seal the Wave. Chris Jericho, Soul Circus Cowboys. Go check it out. And and maybe you can buy a pair pair of Chris Jericho's. You can. Yeah, auction. And martinis, a.k.a. straight vodka. (laughs) Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands. Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. Our U.S.-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues. And all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com aware.